What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry, alongside my partner, Austin. Oh, Austin, Austin's actually not here this week. He, it's weird because he, he went on a fish trip, a fishing excursion uh, with, with Jonathan Hutton. And since return, we're a little worried about him, but that's he's going to be back soon, we hope. Um, so in place of Austin Huff this week, we have A to Z Sports' own Luke Worsham. Luke, you've got your own segment on this thing. Now you're going to coast with me. What's going on? How do you feel about this? I, I know. Now now you don't have to sit there and just say my name uh, into the abyss for a few minutes this week. I'll actually be here to to listen and respond to it for the entire episode. It's 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 truly wonderful, I'm sure, for you. Yeah. I mean, come on. You like the Luke Worsham segment, Luke. Oh, it's been fantastic. I've listened the past two two weeks and it's uh it, it gave me the boost I needed to get through my Wednesday times. <laughs> well, hey man, we're glad to have you on this week. You can follow us both on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Luke underscore Worsham. We are the Tighten Up Podcast. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Tighten Up Pod. On Instagram, we are at Tighten Up Podcast. Um and as always, follow the A to Z Sports uh on all of your social media channels. But this week, we're, we're going to keep things a little short. We, we've got Alan Bell this week talking NFL draft, how to make money on the draft, what he thinks the Titans are going to do, and really just finding value. The NFL draft is tough to bet, so finding value in the draft is difficult. He's going to tell you how to do it. Also, DraftKings has released their win totals. So all 32 teams have win totals now out. The Titans are at 9.5. The Colts surprisingly are at 10. We're going to get into that. Do we like that? Uh, is there value to bet the Titans now? We're going to cover all of that with Alan Bell. But right now, let's get into this podcast. I'm Jack Gentry. He's Luke Worsham. Now let's talk Titans. I hear the train a coming. It's rolling around the bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm sucking. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's a little different with Austin Huff driving the bus this week, but hopefully he'll be back soon. He's a little busy. He'll get back to us, but we got Worsham in. And before we get to Alan Bell today, we're going to talk a little bit about what the Titans are expected to do at 22 in the first round of the NFL draft. People love talking about the draft, Luke. I mean, it's it's, it's this weird craze because the NFL offseason dominates the MLB regular season, the NHL regular season, the NBA regular season. I mean, the NFL is truly king. And with the draft so close, just nine days away, a lot of people are still kind of conflicted on where they think the Titans will go. We heard, we're going to hear what Alan Bell thinks about it. But in your opinion right now, as things currently stand, what position group do you think the Titans are going to go after here? No, man. I mean, I feel like every year as we get close to the draft, I have a good gauge on what John Robinson is going to do. There have been a couple of times where I have uh, correctly mocked or guessed who he would take. I remember his first year, I thought he would take Conklin. I thought he would take Rashawn Evans. I don't think I ever publicly said it, but I remember thinking uh, up leading up to the 2017, I think it was that, that Corey Davis was going to probably be someone they liked. But I'm kind of lost, man, this year. I, I really don't know. I think part of it is because they have so many needs and we'll talk about that with Allen later on, but you know, 
secondary, linebackers, pass rushers, wide receiver. There's so many different places they could go that it's hard for me to say, well, they're just going to take a stab at this one. I mean, I, and, you know, even I, I just thought to myself, well, let me let me explain what I would do if I was in John Robinson's shoes. But I don't know. I, I really don't know. And I think usually we can sit here and say, well, they need to take this position at this pick. Like the Corey Davis year, they had to get a receiver and a cornerback. Round one had to happen. They got Corey Davis and a Dory Jackson. Last year was a little bit tougher, but I think we all knew it was it was either cornerback. We knew that offensive line was probably in the conversation. But I really think this year, more than ever before in the Robinson era, it depends on what happens ahead of the Titans. It, it really, really does. Because I think if at 22, there's a really talented pass rusher, I think it'd be hard to pass that up. If there's not a really talented pass rusher and there's a good receiver, I think it'd be hard to pass that up. I think a lot of it depends on what happens ahead of them. And I know that's sort of a non-answer to the topic. I mean, what about you? What do you think? I'm just kind of lost on this, to be honest. Well, when you look at the Titans offense and what made it tick last year was, you know, you had Johnny Smith for the the first half of the season was incredibly productive. Then Long goes down. He has to do a little bit more chipping and kind of takes away from his production as a, as a, as a pass catcher. Um, you lose Corey Davis, a guy mm-hmm. who put up 900 yards receiving last year. And, I mean, he, his time in Tennessee was a bit of a roller coaster. But at the end of the day, I mean, he was productive for the Titans last year. He was a very productive guy. And losing him kind of creates a hole out there at the wide receiver position. You bring in Josh Reynolds on a very team-friendly contract, a one-year deal. Prove it for Josh Reynolds. He gets uh, he gets expanded responsibilities. But I don't think he's your answer to replacing Corey Davis. And I get it, the Titans, you know, the, the defense last year, uh, historically bad on third down. The secondary, everyone played pretty poorly. Adoree Jackson never really came into the mix until late in the season. When he came back, he wasn't himself. So what do they do? Christian Fulton last year wasn't healthy. So you bring in Janoris Jenkins. Um, you hope Imani Hooker elevates, you know, into the starting safety that a lot of people think he can be. But there's still a glaring need of secondary the, the, the problem with me is the thing with me i think if you took christian fulton last year in the second round this season it would seem like you would prioritize a receiver first so when i'm looking at this draft it's john robinson if i was sitting in john robinson's shoes and i see this receiving class you know it is deep but at, at the same time it's only deep because that top tier those top tier receivers those first four or five guys are so great after that, it kind of falls off a little bit. So with pick 22, I'm kind of leaning towards receiver right now. If you want to go slot, which I think would be a great idea, you're looking at a few guys. Um, Kadarius Tony, Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore. You got uh, Amari Rogers later in the draft. Um, there's, there's a couple other guys as well. But for me, it's, it'd be hard to pass up on one of these receivers because last year, I mean, and in and, and years prior with well, A.J. Brown draft when D. Metcalf and Hollywood Brown and himself and Terry McLaurin all produced immediately, you see receivers kind of uh, the ability to acclimate themselves to the NFL game has been pretty seamless in years past, Justin Jefferson last year. So for me, I think a receiver could step in and you want to win now, your Super Bowl window's open. I think the best way to kind of – fit yourself through that window is by taking a receiver in the first round. And I'm from Ole Miss, you know, you know, I love me some Elijah Moore, but you know, any receiver I would be pleased with because 
you've got to find a way to to uh, kind of not replicate the success that Tannehill had last year, but get the most out of him as you can in, in, in you know, Todd Downing's first year's OC. And I think that, you know, I made the comment, I'm not sure what I would do. I will say, I mean, gun to my head, probably a wide receiver. One, I just love wide receivers. I think they're fun, oh. and I think they're exciting, and I think they really helped your football team. But the Titans have a lot of nothing there right now. I, I, I think that the two spots where I would say that for, that they have a lot of nothing, would be slot cornerback or, or cornerback in general, if you want to say that, because you got to have three these days. You're playing so much nickel. And they've got Janoris Jenkins and Christian Fulton, and then it's nothing. It's either Kevin Johnson, who was a bust for Houston and has been uh, a liability throughout his NFL career. And then after that, it's what, Breon Borders and Chris Jackson, who was a seventh-round pick last year? That's not – you can't play an NFL season like that and expect good results. And then the wide receiver, you've got position, you've got basically the same thing. You've got a stud at the top and A.J. Brown, who – I've made the comment on my podcast, the No Nonsense podcast, that he's going to have a much higher, a much bigger role this year, a much higher target rate, I think. But you can't just have him. And I know that you're not going to get a second A.J. Brown. And I know that the depth is not going to be as good as what is at the top. But you can't go from A.J. Brown to like Cam Batson. And I know Josh Reynolds is there. And is there some untapped potential that the Rams didn't get into with him? Probably. He had a limited role during his four years with the Rams. But you can't count on that. You cannot count on the anomaly to happen. And the anomaly would be Josh Reynolds turns out to be Corey Davis 2.0. And, oh, he's a stud and the Rams just never knew how to use him. I feel like if anybody's going to tap into someone's potential, it's going to be Sean McVay. That's just me. You got to get some help. Yeah, but, you know, and we can talk about this till we're blue in the face, but at the end of the day, you know, on draft day, after those first 10 picks, it kind of gets a little hairy. You, you know, nobody can really correctly pick how this board's going to fall. You can have Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay are acting like they know anything that's going to happen, but it's it's a tough business. And I'll say this, you know, while I do want wide receiver, there is a player in particular that I have in mind who I believe is an elite talent in this draft. Um, but kind of has a Jeffrey Simmons effect where injury issues are scary and that may cause a slide where you're getting a player who's more talented than some of the guys that are going before him. But a lot of teams, medical grades haven't really, you know, panned out for him. And that's Caleb Farley out of Virginia tech. He's having back procedures done, uh, you know, in before the season comes. So he's getting those done. He's, He's rehabbing now. He had an ACL in 2017 but he's only been playing the cornerback position for two years at Virginia Tech, but has looked insane. I mean, he is a free athlete. He passes the eye test for me. And if he falls, because, I mean, let's face it, in this in this draft, there are two cornerbacks that are, I mean, it's going in, in no particular order, J.C. Horn and Sertain from Alabama. Those are going to be your first corners. And then after that, it's either him or Greg Newsom the third from Northwestern. If, if Farley is on the board when the Titans come up at 22 – I would be salivating if I'm John Robinson. Yeah. Does that scare you? Cor- not, it's not so much Farley that scares me. It's the position. Like, and I know I just made a comment two seconds ago that they have to upgrade the quarterback position. But I want someone that's going to come in day one and make this team 
just take them to the next level because other than, none of the John Robinson first round picks have done that. None of them. Uh, maybe you can make the argument for Jack Conklin did, but outside of him, you've gotten guys who were sort of middle of the road starters, had their days, had had their good days, had their bad days. AJ Brown, Derek Henry, Kevin Byard were all guys who came in and made this team better, but none of them were drafted in the first round. I want them to get someone in the first round that's going to come in and on opening day take this team to the next level because that's what the draft is designed for. That it's, there's a reason that the worst team in the NFL gets the first pick. It's so that they can take the best player in college football and give their fans some hope that we're going to the next level. You know, if you're the Jaguars, we stunk last year, but we've got Trevor Lawrence, and this dude is special. We're going to go to the next round. Go back you 10 feel years. Trevor Lawrence. Carolina Panthers were worthless, but we've got Cam Newton now, and we're going to go to the next level with this guy who ran college football. And then you go down the list, and if you think about it in that way, right, the second pick's supposed to get the second best player, and the third pick gets the third best player, and down the list, the draft is designed to get someone, I think the first round anyway, is designed to get someone that is going to take your team to the next level I think the Titans need that with all they lost this offseason. Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, uh, Dory Jackson, guys like that. If I'm John Robinson, I don't want to make an infrastructure pick in the first round. You know, and, and I think a number three cornerback is that. I think an offensive lineman is that. I think an interior defensive lineman is that. I want to get well, so someone just, that is going. Just tell me. You're going wide receiver, right? It seems yeah. like you're clear, you're very set on wide receiver. Wide receiver or edge pass rusher. I, 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 it would probably be, have to be one of those two for me. Okay, well, let's talk about edge for a couple seconds, and then we'll get to Alan Bell. Um, this is not a deep edge class whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a few guys at the top, but after that, I mean, it falls off a cliff. I mean, it falls off a Grand Canyon-sized cliff. I mean, it, what's – What's interesting for me is Robinson and this Titans front office have kind of maneuvered around this offseason, catering to the draft strengths. So what 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 does what does the draft have at edge? Well, not much. So let's go ahead and solve our defensive line and our pass rush in free agency. We bring in Danico Autry. You signed Bud Dupree. Um, this draft is very strong receiver, so we can afford to part ways with Corey Davis. We'll bring in a low-budget guy like Josh Reynolds, who, you know, who has a ceiling, and then we can find a, another wide receiver through the draft. Same cornerback. It's you, you got four or five guys that, that are up there that you wouldn't mind taking and plugging in immediately. But it, it's really no surprise that, you know, when you look at this draft to the edge position, Robinson elected to solve that issue with Bud Dupree and free agency rather mm -hmm. than banking on one of these guys falling to him in the draft. Or really not falling to not falling to him, uh, maybe reaching on an edge guy. Yeah, and, and I'll say this: I don't I don't think they should be done at the edge pass rush position. And if they were to in the next two weeks go and get a say uh, Justin Houston or Ryan Kerrigan, one of these back end veterans who are still on the market, I think at that point I would say you can stop at edge if you're the Titans. My problem with it right now is. I like Landry, love Vic Beasley, or excuse me, Bud Dupree, love Bud Dupree, but um, <laughs> I did it again. I said Vic Beasley instead of I, I did. I did it on the A to Z show too. It's it. I don't know why, but I get them confused a little bit. It's 
I'm glad you're the same. Mine, one mine, is, Beasley, that has this mine is Beasley and Landry, though. So I'm I'm glad you have this problem too, because I've I've done this on the radio. I've done this on my other podcast, <laughs> and, and I don't know why. Um, but so so but but back to the topic. My problem is I don't want Harold Landry and Bud Dupree to have to play 97 percent of the snaps. Because if you're taking one of them off the field and the next option is like Tazar Skipper or Derek Roberson, who just aren't that good, you're going to want to play them far too much. Whereas if you have Ryan Kerrigan, you know, you can let Ryan Kerrigan play 30, 40% of the snaps. And then Dupree and Landry each plays like 85. And then I think you're set. Even in the case of an injury, I think you're still set. So I, I think you're right. The, the priority at this position was placed on free agency. I will say, I think if Gregory Rousseau was there at 22 and, and I was just looking at Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft and, and, and the last one that Daniel Jeremiah did, he had Rousseau going to Miami at 18. I think if he slides a couple, few more picks down to 22, I think that would be a good option, but you are right. And, and with the priority that they did place on the position at free agency, that would be one where I would have to be fired up about who was there. I wouldn't necessarily reach for need because I agree with you that it's it's a need, but not in the sense that they need a stud to come in and take over because that's what uh, Bud Dupree is going to be for. It's kind of a supplementary yeah. role that, that whatever edge rusher would come and in, in, in jump in and play. And well, the Titans right now, they need a primary guy. They need a primary mm-hmm. guy at a couple positions, wide receiver mainly. But uh, Alan's going to get more into the draft and in, in, in kind of how to bet it, who the Titans should be looking at, what position you should be looking at to bet. Um, we'll get to that in a second. But first, let me say a word about DraftKings. Basketball teams are entering the final month of the regular season as they gear up for the playoffs. While some teams are locks to make the playoffs, others are still fighting for their opportunity to chase a trophy this summer. DraftKings Sportsbooks, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. Turning $1 into $100 is simple. Pick any basketball team to win their next game. If during that game, the team of your choosing the three, you bring home $100 in free bets. Guys, that's so easy. That's 100 to 1 odds on the team of your choosing to hit a three. They don't even need to win the game. This year, teams have been hitting threes at an unprecedented pace, so get in on all of the actions with DraftKings Sportsbook, before this offer ends. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code A to Z when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if that basketball team of your choosing hits a three. That's code A to Z to turn $1 into $100 in free bets for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Tennessee only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. You or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee Red Line. 1-800-889-9789. Now let's get to Alabama. Guys, I simply cannot contain my excitement for this week's guest. He's actually making his third appearance on the Tighten Up podcast, moving him into a tie with our own Luke Worsham. 
Uh, he works for CBS Sportsline on top of hosting the A to Z Sports Pick Show, which is awesome. It's really fun. They give out winners on, on the daily. You guys have to go follow them. Uh, they'll, they'll make you some money just by sitting there on your phone for a few minutes. But most importantly, he was the man behind the mask serving as T-Rack back in the day. You can find him on Twitter at AllenBell247. Alan, what's going on? What's up? Now, let me say backup T-Rack, not the effect. Yeah. Not I, I was see emergency track. Yeah, I was let, yeah. Let's be clear. I was I was holding <laughs> the clipboard in this process, but no, man. Hey, I, I'm gl- so glad to be back with you guys. Uh, it's fantastic, man. I love coming on every single time. So, Alan, you weren't you weren't the one who ate the cheerleader. That was not you. No, <laughs> we went over this. Yeah, yeah. No, that was not me. However, I was the one who would have to assist in getting the cheerleader out. Which let me say, next time anyone <laughs> is at Nissan Stadium and you see T Rack doing this, like it's funny. It's it's honestly like I think it's the crowd favorite. Like I think it's their favorite like T Rack skit. But watch. Like everybody stops paying attention. Like after it eats the cheerleader, watch it when they're trying to get the cheerleader out. Like, dude, it's it's hilarious because like you're pulling legs out of a mouth. It, it dude, it's funny, man. <clears throat> yeah. It's definitely my favorite T-Rex. He's had some great ones, but when when he swallows the cheerleader hole, I, I yeah, the crowd goes crazy as they should. But uh, Alan, last time we talked to you was the Super Bowl. You let us in on some on some prop bets. We're gonna hold you accountable because look, the Super Bowl is hard for a lot of people. Um, yeah, the, the Gatorade was was blue, I believe. Yep. Um, the puppies. I think you hit the puppies prop. Under four and a half total puppies. Yeah, I, I, you know, I thought there would be more. There, you know, uh, puppies are in, but apparently they didn't run <laughs> the puppies. But our big one was tails. Tails failed us. I know, dude. And ha- like that's what you hate too is like when you're betting a game and you've got like multiple bets going like in that game, especially like the Super Bowl, dude. You come right out of the gate with a loss, dude. I, I'm telling you, I was literally <laughs> like, man, all right, this isn't a good sign tonight. <laughs> no, it was a bad omen, and you know, you leave it up to the coin toss, and hey. You know, <clears throat> You got to take your wins or you got to take your losses with with some wins. Um, but we're talking draft today. You know, the, yeah, the, the NFL season is finally turning draft in 10 days. It'll be nine days away when people get to listen to this. But um, there's a ton of different props, a ton of different angles. You can kind of take this draft. What advice do you have for who's trying to bet the NFL draft the first time? Yeah. So a uh, couple things. So first, you do your homework leading into this right now. It's not going to be 100%. It's not going to be scientific. You guys know the NFL draft better than anybody. It, it's a volatile um, event that, that changes, you know, as we get trades that come in, as we get surprise picks that come in. So, you know, you could do your homework right now and, you know, uh, get an idea of, of, of through mock drafts of, of, you know, information of what positions teams need, right? And, and you'll have somewhat of an idea. Of okay, I think this many wide receivers are going in the first round. I think these this many running backs, this many quarterbacks, et cetera, things like that. So you can have a decent idea. Again, you're not going in 100 percent because no one is, but you have a decent idea. But number two is exactly what we just said. It is a live event that moves. There's going to be trades. There are going to be things that happen. There will be surprise picks. <clears throat> so it throws your picks off. So I would say the biggest piece of advice is. Go in with a plan, go in, you know, kind of knowing the bets that you want to place beforehand and the bets that you want to place live during it. And we'll we'll get in more to that, <clears throat> excuse me, of which ones, you know, to look at, to do before, which ones to do live. But yeah, just kind of have a plan going into it. Alan, you, you mentioned the election. You go, Luke. 
You, you mentioned the volatility of it all, and I think we know the biggest reason behind that volatility is trades because that can totally derail what we think might happen. Talk yep. to me, who is a bit of a novice on all of this stuff. How do trades affect what I need to do as a better going into the draft? Do I need to be worrying about, you know, is Atlanta going to move out of four, for example? Do I need to worry about that, or can I confidently say, okay, I think they're going to take pits from Florida, and if that doesn't happen because they trade out, how does that affect me? Yeah, it's a good question. So, you know, what you want to do, again, is, is go in and, and have an idea, at least in the top 10, have an idea like where your uh, trouble areas could be, okay? And that's a great question because I'm, I'm doing the same thing, and I'm saying, okay, in my app, we all know Trevor Lawrence is number one of the Jaguars. Okay. Number two, the Jets, it's pretty much going to be Zach Wilson, but it's going to be a quarterback so that we know there are going to be quarterbacks right out of the gate that those teams aren't trading out. They need those positions, especially since the draft, the Jets, you know, just traded Sam Darnold away. Like they're not trading that pick out they're, They have to get a quarterback. So the draft really starts at three with the 49ers. Now here's the hard part that it all seems to take, a quarterback, but you look at the NFC West, none of those teams really even care about first round picks. Look at the Los Angeles Rams. Like they they don't have a first round pick until like 2024. Like they I think they traded two away just to get Jalen Ramsey a quarterback. So again, it seems like San Francisco is gonna QB, but you know, what if they, you know, what what if they go after Kyle Pitts, right? So <clears throat> it's about knowing like where your trouble spots could be, where they could come, um, and, and just keeping an eye on those. But other than that, I mean, it, you know, we don't see as many trades during the draft, especially the first round that we used to. I feel like eight, nine, ten years ago, we would kind of see a lot of them. But the last couple rounds, like, unless there's a monster move at like in the top five. Teams generally stay because even like you take a look at the Titans, like every year it seems like the Titans are a team that, you know, could trade out of that pick in the first round and try to get more. And yeah, they do that. But, you know, when you're in, you know, 18 to 27, is there value there for teams to trade up? So again, I'm rambling about it, but the answer is, especially in the top 10, know your teams that could be looking to move out that might not necessarily care about that first round pick. And then just kind of, you know, head yourself, be careful in spots. Other than that, you probably have a pretty good idea what it's going to be. So, Alan, we'll we'll the Titans just for a couple seconds there. Um, there's so many ways to bet the draft. You can bet whether the Titans are going to take a guy that plays offense or defense. You can bet the position of the guy and find a little more value by betting the position of the player that the Titans select in the first round. What do you think going in just – you know, you, you're familiar with Titans. You're familiar with, with with what they're trying to do. How do you feel like – or how, what is the best way that you think uh, people should play the draft when it comes to the Titans? Yeah, that's another good question because you're looking at a team that has <clears> – <throat> excuse me, that has multiple needs in terms of positional groups, right? Yeah. So, okay, you say that and say, all right, where could the Titans go? Let's just Let's just write down the positions, all right? Secondary, they could use help. Linebacker or defensive end, you know, they could use help. Wide receiver, they could use help. Um, then you look at the draft and say, all right, where is the draft deep and where is it not? Okay, so the draft is going to be incredibly deep at the wide receiver position, especially the slot wide receiver position. So if you're a team like the Titans, 
you might not draft a wide receiver that high. You might not draft a cornerback that high because, again, it's very deep in quarterbacks as well. There's legitimately no defensive ends in this draft really whatsoever. Um, so, you know, do they look at like a linebacker type edge type guy or do they try to trade out? Like that's the that's the difficult part with rejecting a team. So I say that all that to say this, like you just said, there's multiple ways to bet it. It's the same way as if anybody bets, um, like, say, a Conor McGregor UFC fight, right? So if you're picking McGregor to win, well, you could pick him on the money line, right, of just to win the fight. Or, like you were saying, you could pick, you know, what position the Titans are going to draft specifically, say, linebacker at, like, plus 900. Well, that's basically the equivalent of saying, all right, Conor McGregor is going to win, and I think he's going to win by, you know, knockout, right? It's like, now you're, like, you're feeling so confident about that that you're going to fire that one off. You might be right. But if it's a team like them who has multiple angles that they could go and it's going to be kind of predicated on which players are taken ahead of them, yeah, it, it's better to just, you know, take a look and say, I, I think that they draft, you know, this, you know, you, you don't want to go like specific player unless you're really feeling it. You know, you might just go position or, um, yeah, something like that, if that makes sense. <clears throat> And there, I mean, when we talk about Vegas, there are bright lights, tall buildings, big fountains, all there for a reason. Vegas makes money. Uh, <laughs> we just felt any, when, you know, during any type of sports betting, and I know it's not their cash cow, but they still make, you know, 20 something million dollars a month uh, just off sports betting, I feel like. But yeah, they make some money. So, so you're, you're, you're talking about finding value, you know, as best as you can. And with so many bets out there, there, there are easier ways to do that. What are you hearing? You mentioned it's going to be deep at wide receiver. The secondary, there, there's some there's some cornerbacks that are that are very available. Uh, four or five that could go in the first round. What yeah. are you hearing and what are you seeing from Vegas in terms of what they expect to happen during this draft with those two position groups? Yeah. So you know, here's the thing. Um, understand this. You know, the way that the sports books work is that you know the same way that we sit here and talk about you know prepping for betting the draft. These sports books are the exact same way. Like they've got to put these lines and odds out too, right? So they have to know and have to have people <clears throat> that that understand this as well. Because if one side knows more than the other, that side is going to cash in on things, right? So it, it's tough, man. Like it's tough for them too because it is such you know kind of a, a an ever evolving you know event, right? So me so far, like looking at it and saying, all right, where do I find value? How do I use the information that we all kind of know? How do I use supply and demand and say, okay, how can I make money betting beforehand, um, you know, as opposed to, you know, what I'm going to bet live and what I've kind of thought my thought process is so wide receiver again, like we just talked about, it's a, it's a very, very heavy position uh, in terms of the entire draft. So my thought process is we're going to have a lot of teams that want to wait on wide receivers in terms of when they're going to draft them. So I placed a bet. Under four and a half wide receivers drafted in the first round, plus 190. All right, so Vegas isn't banking on that. Mm. They're banking on that there will be more than four and a half, but I'm going to play the odds here. I'm going to say, you know, hey, we're, we're going to go under because I think that the supply outweighs the demand, and I think I can read how these teams are going to affect it because after, you know, Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith, it might fall off a little bit, right? Then the second one, and this, you know, there's not as much data behind it, but all we hear about is, you know, in terms of the running backs are going to be drafted is, you know, Najee Harris 
is he going to go, you know, the first running back taken out of Alabama? Well, yeah, you hear a lot of talk about that, but the running back position, which we've all known, has been so devalued in terms of drafting, especially when it's not like a Saquon Barkley like that high, when it's going to be kind of a mid to late first round pick. So I'm going with Travis Etienne, the first running back drafted at plus 165. Just because I think it's going to be literally a coin flip between which one of those guys go. But if I get a little bit of money on plus number as opposed to a minus and just take a little bit of a shot, I'm going to try it. Right. So I feel more comfortable with the under four, you know, four and a half wide receivers than I do with Etienne. But that's where I've tried to find my value, if that makes sense. Oh, Luke, you're muted. Now I'm not. I want to talk a little bit about the third. I want to talk a little bit about the third overall pick because I feel like that is, like you said earlier, that's sort of where the draft starts officially because we sort of know what's happening with those first two picks. It seemed for about two weeks that it was going to be Matt Jones, the quarterback from Alabama, going to San Francisco, and no one really understood why that was the case. Now we're seeing more and more uh, reports and rumors that it's going to be Justin Fields from Ohio State. So if that is indeed the case, then what we saw with the Mac Jones stuff was one of the most elaborate and unnecessary smoke screens in the history of the NFL draft. (laughs) What does Vegas think is going to happen at that third pick? And more importantly, what should betters do with that information? Yeah, so uh, Vegas still has Mac Jones as the favorite. Uh, I, I think he's sitting at like minus one ninety somewhere around there. Depends on which book; they're all going to be different. But yeah, I mean, they've got Mac Jones as the favorite, you know, to go in that third slot to the 49ers. But you know, again, that's another area where <clears throat> you could find value. Okay, so it, it, I'll, I'll say this: I placed a bet on the 49ers taking Kyle Pitts three overall at plus five thousand. Okay, Ooh. yeah. Plus 5,000. Now, understand, when you're getting a plus 5,000, Vegas doesn't believe that it's going to happen. But here's my thing. Yeah, I'm not putting, like, a a full unit on it, like banking on that that's absolutely going to happen. It's probably going to be a quarterback. It's probably going to be Mac Jones or Justin Fields, and I would probably lean towards Mac Jones. But in the offset that it is not a quarterback, it has to be Kyle Pitts. Right. I mean, I don't know who else like if they don't trade out of that pick, I don't know who else they would go to because the team would just get eviscerated for not getting a quarterback trading all that. And you don't get, you know, kind of the unicorn in the draft, so to say. Right. So I put a little bit on that because of that one. And then two, here's my thing. The 49ers, we talk about this third pick overall and they've got a $100 million quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, okay? Now, I understand that the league has viewed, really ever since the Titans made that trade for Ryan Tannehill, they kind of set in order that where teams can, they don't they don't feel hamstrung in, in getting rid of quarterbacks. But my thing is this, <clears throat> there's not many teams left in the NFL that need a quarterback. Like, the, the, de- the, the demand is far less than the supply in the NFL. Like, you look at the teams who need a quarterback. The Jaguars, they're going to get one. The Jets, they're going to get one. The Panthers just got one. And the Texans, that, like the, the Texans are pretty much it. So wh- where are they going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo to, right? Like I, they're not going to trade him to New England, not with that. Like There's nowhere to put them. Exactly. There's no, nowhere to go with them. So it's worth it to me to put a little bit down on a plus 5,000 <clears> for Kyle Pitts because, 
again, if we talk about look at the 49ers saying that's a Super Bowl team, all they have to do is get better at quarterback. Okay, well, there's two ways to do that. You either get a new quarterback or you just load way more talent around that quarterback, right? And people say, well, they've got George Kittle. Dude, we see the Patriots run two tight ends for years. They literally just did it this offseason, right? <laughs> like teams have done that. And you're getting Kyle Pitts at a very cheap price compared to what you're going to pay George Kittle. Like, I, I could see that happening. So, again, I'm not saying that it's going to, but that those are the little spots where I say, okay, what happened here? And where could I possibly maybe put a little bit down to where I don't care if I lose five, 10 bucks if they don't take Kyle Pitts? But if it hits plus 5,000, like, dude, that, that just made my first round, right? Here is where I'm nervous about that third overall pick. Because, look, the Niners aren't going to make that trade if they don't already know who it's going <clears> to take. They know they are set on one guy that have been since they made the trade. You don't move up that high in the draft and not have an idea. So I think that they have their player. But what gives me pause is what the Giants did when they selected Daniel Jones. He came out of nowhere, yeah. which makes me think that maybe Trey Lance, who hasn't really been – talked about much at all with the Niners could have it could have a shot at going early because there are some teams uh obviously you know all that matters is what one team thinks of a guy doesn't yeah. matter what the other 31 think but if yeah. they have him higher than they do say Mac Jones who uh, mobility is a big question throwing down the field is a big question uh and, and Justin Fields who a lot of people are knocking his progressions and, and what he does with uh his time in the pocket yeah but, is there even any value on Trey Lance or is that too long of a shot? No, it's not too long of a shot at all. Like, I mean, like that, like that, that's exactly, you know, what, what we're talking about, man, is, is finding your areas where you can find value, um, you know, kind of at that spot and then put, you know, again, it, it's all about kind of your money management here. Like, you know, don't go, don't go crazy on your long shots, but it is worth, you know, putting a little bit there, like, you know, if you've kind of done your homework and something like that, like that makes sense. That's not a bad play whatsoever because you're right. Like any quarterback is, is live here because here's the thing for the 49ers. If, if you go in and make a pick at quarterback, say they just, we'll just use Mac Jones. And I like Mac Jones. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just using an example. If they take Mac Jones and he sucks, like, Dude, you just blew up a Super Bowl team. Like, yeah. you, you just blew it up. Everyone's getting fired. So, like, for Kyle Shanahan, like, this is this is essentially his pick, okay? So, if he likes Trey Lance more than Mac Jones, more than any of them, Justin Fields, whoever, then, yeah, like, I mean, that, that, that could absolutely happen. So, I, I was, you know, bumbling there at, at what, you know, my answer. But you're, you're right, like, that is an absolute viable option, and you're going to be able to find value in that, you know, in that pick. Because I, I don't have the number in front of me, but you're you're probably looking at uh, plus twelve hundred yeah, somewhere in that. Figures it has to be yeah somewhere in that area. So it's like, all right, dude, like yeah, I'll put bucks on that. Like I, you know, I whatever you know, you want to play on it. Like yeah, it's worth it just for the fun and the excitement, and it, it, it's not a shot the dark like it is an educated yeah, you know calculate. it's a calculator yeah, like yeah you, you know yeah absolutely um what i want to talk about we're talking finding value and DraftKings just released season win totals for all 32 teams yeah and i am upset with what DraftKings thinks about the titans look i get it you know we're pre-draft the team that the titans have right now is not going to be the team that they enter a uh, week one with but at the same time 
I'm looking on, you know, I'm looking down the list of teams and yeah. I see the Colts before I see the Titans. The Colts yeah. uh, DraftKings has at 10 wins, Titans right below them at nine and a half. Yeah. Tied with, you know, you know, in the same, the Colts are the only team in the league that, that has 10 wins uh, yeah. given to them by DraftKings. So the Titans are amongst a group of four, Dallas Cowboys, Seattle Seahawks, and Cleveland Browns all projected nine and a half from DraftKings. What do you think about that? I, 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 I'm like Carson Wentz gets gets you ten. It's confusing to me. I don't get it. Yeah. All right. So okay, a, a couple things jump out of that. All right. First, the Colts are an even number ten, and the Titans are nine and a half. Okay. So if you look through that list, most are going to be seven and a half, eight and a half, nine and a half, ten and a half. Right. Until you get like. 11, 12, and up, that's when they generally are even numbers. But for the most part, books are going to hedge themselves and put, you know, a seven and a half, eight and a half, nine, so that you don't have a push. Okay. So, number two, obviously, we're banking this off a 17 game season, not a 16 game season. So, essentially, you know, just subtract one, like what everybody used to, you're, you're looking at, you know, Titans eight and a half. Okay. Now, number three, let's play a quick trivia game. Would you like to? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Trivia for you boys here. In the last eight seasons, okay, there are four teams in the NFL that have hit uh, five or more overs in their season totals in the last eight seasons. And and let me, let me give you the numbers. One team hit all eight over. The second team hit six, and two teams hit five. And, again, that's out of the last eight seasons. So two of them went five out of eight. One went six out of eight, and one has gone 100%, eight out of eight every single year they've hit the over. Name those four teams. They're good teams, too. Like, it's not like the Jaguars in London. Like, these are good teams. (laughs) I assume that the Seahawks are one. Negative. Oh, what? Yeah. Hmm. What do you think, Luke? Tampa last year strikes me as one, but, but they had, you know, such a rough history before last year. So, exactly. Consistency over time. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what. With Andrew Luck makes sense. No, nope, well, I'll tell you. No, nope, I'll tell you this. So I'll give you the divisions. Okay. Okay. AFC West, AFC South, NFC South, AFC East. Okay. AFC. Let's start with AFC West. Okay. Luke, who are you thinking? Because it's, it's not. <clears throat> is it the Chiefs? I mean, yes, the Chiefs okay. have hit the Chiefs. over eight ever since Andy Reid got there since 2013. Wow. They have hit their over total every single year. AFC South. That is so tricky. That's the, Titans, the, Titans. Like, the Titans have the Titans Titan, have won. Yeah, they, they, they've had a five. positive record the last five straight seasons, so that makes yep. sense. Yep. Um, so we've got the eight, and we've got a five. So you've got a six and a five. What were the other two? Six divisions? and a five, and we're looking uh, AFC East and NFC South. AFC East, Buffalo. Nope. Don't think it. New England. Got to be the Patriots. Patriots six. And then you said NFC South. Yep. And again, don't overthink it. New Orleans. Saints. Yep. Yep. Okay. So yeah, Chiefs, Patriots, Saints, Titans. So those are your four. So that, you know, again, not that true mean everything, but you look at teams that historically compared to the numbers that the books provide have hit the numbers. Now I don't have DraftKings, the numbers in front of me, but I think Kansas city is what? 12, 12. They're, they're 12. the tops in the league. Yeah. So at a 17 game season, are they going to lose five games? Uh, I, it's going to be tough to find those five games. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I, at 12, I might play 
the over at 12 sits as an even number. You get a push at worst. In a, in a 16 game season. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if they lose four games. Now you're talking about them losing five? Like, mm. they could lose five games and I push. Like, yeah. I'll take that bet. Yeah. You know, I, I look at this list of, of all of the teams and the yeah. win totals as, as tiers really is, is what they yes. are. You have Kansas City at the top, then Tampa Bay and Baltimore. And then you have sort of this first tier at 10 and a half with Green Bay, Buffalo, the Rams, and, and the 49ers. And then you go to that next tier, which is sort of the Colts, the, the Browns. Of, of all of those, which is the most surprising tier to you in the sense of, I'm surprised they have this team in this low of a tier, or I'm surprised they have this team in this high of a tier. Where do they have the Browns at? They have the Browns nine at nine and a half. half, same place as Dallas, Tennessee, and Seattle. Okay, so Dallas stands out to me. Like I, I, I would bet the under on that one. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see, you know, again, you know, a lot of this is also based on you know who your seventeenth game is against, what you know your division, you know, record, you know, et cetera, those things. But yeah, I mean, I think the Browns are going to be a really good team this year. I, I think that especially when you look. And who they're going up in their division. Uh, Cincinnati's got a long ways to go still. I mean, they'll be good, but they've got a long ways to go. Pittsburgh is not going to be what they were the first 12 games of last year, right? So I think that, you know, if you look and can add one more win or two more wins, Cleveland's record, like Cleveland would be a team that I would look at hitting the over. Dallas would be a team that I'd be looking at the under, but you're right. Like in terms of looking tiers, like that's generally you're, you're right. Like that, that that's kind of where you have, you know, these are your, you know, these are your elite teams. These are your playoff teams. These are your teams fighting for a playoff spot. And these are your teams, you know, that really don't. So I try to look at it that way. And I say, okay, let me just align here at who, if I, if we had to mock, you know, which 14 teams are going to be in the playoffs, Right. Like that, that's, that's generally how I'm going to look at it and say, okay, now let me, let me find, you know, are there any anomalies in this? Right. So Cleveland, like Cleveland, Cleveland could win their division this year. Like, I don't think Baltimore is all that great. Okay. Now they're going to be good. So Cleveland is a team that I would look at the over on that because I think they've got an opportunity, especially now 17 games to do it. You look at a team like Tennessee. Do where where do they stand after the last two years? What do they add in the draft? Right. But you're looking at also in their division to where the Jaguars, they're not going to be. It's going to take a little while. Yeah. The Texans are going to be horrific. Right. And then if they could get, you know, if they could steal one against the Colts. So say if they sweep Houston, Jacksonville and go even against the Colts, like you got five right there. Right. So then you're saying, okay, well, I've got 12 more games to essentially get what five wins. That's and it's not a perfect science, but like that's kind of how I break it down. And you know, sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't. But for the most part, you'll see these things are generally pretty dang close. You're just gonna mm-hmm. have a surprise like a Tampa Bay last year. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you'll have a couple surprises go both ways. Well, Alan, thanks again for stopping by. You'll always have such great information. Um, we'll be we'll be looking uh, at your Twitter at Alan Bell two four seven to play this draft. Thanks for stopping by, Alan. Dude, I appreciate you guys, man, for real. Having me back on. I love it. Um, you guys are awesome. And, uh, yeah, can't wait for the next time. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. Man, Luke, I love talking to Alan Bell. He's so he, – he attacks anything he bets on 
through uh, hundreds of different avenues. It's incredible. What he what he and uh, Edwards do on the A to Z Sports Pick Show is awesome. And you look, they produce winners every single uh, every single day they're on it. It's in the, we're in the dog days of sports gambling. So to be that skilled and, and you know that precise with how you bet some of these leagues and some of these games is really impressive. How I'm going to bet the NFL drafts, it's completely changed since speaking to Alan for those 30 minutes. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not a big betting guy by any stretch of the imagination. But like you said, what you get from Alan is you can tell how invested he is in all of this, how knowledgeable he is. He's not just blowing smoke. Uh, but also someone like me who, who's really just foreign to that world, I still understand it all when he talks about it, like it makes sense to me. And so yeah. I, I certainly appreciate that. Yeah, he's great. He is the man. All right. So to close out this week's episode, I figured it's only right to do remember the Titan, give Luke an opportunity to remember a certain Titan. I've walked him through the process and he's got his guy. He hasn't told me who it's going to be yet. Luke, you want to lead things off? Sure. So, so as soon as you said that we were going to do remember the Titan, uh, this was the name that popped into my head. Uh, Will Witherspoon is my remember the Titan. Ooh, that's a good one. Former Titans outside linebacker from – actually, I don't know that it was from. I think he only played for them for one year. Uh, let's see, this Wikipedia article. Okay, he played for the Titans for three seasons, 2010, 2011, and 2012, before he went back to the Rams in 2013, uh, where he, I believe, rejoined uh, Jeff Fisher with the Rams just couldn't get away yeah he (laughs) he couldn't get away just like Eddie George he just couldn't get away (laughs) uh but Will Witherspoon was the thing that got me about Will Witherspoon is he wore number 92 but he was an off-ball linebacker and typically when you see a number in the 90s it's a guy with their hand in the dirt and I don't Mm -hmm. know why but but every time I watched Will Witherspoon I just remember asking myself why did he choose that number? And, and and that brings something else to mind, which is this nonsense about how the NFL might let all these positions wear single-digit numbers. I hate that so very much. Really? Because I, 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 need, I love it. I need my positions to wear their standard numbers. I need receivers to be in the teens and the 80s. I need running backs to be in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Like, it's just going to look bizarre to me otherwise. I think it'd make it easier. You have, you know, Harold Landry coming off the edge wearing number seven. Boom, Harold Landry. Don't even have to think about it twice. Donico Autry wants to wear six. Donico Autry, easy to spot. I I just think it's easier. But I I think it's a lot cooler, too, and the the skill guys get to wear the cool number. A.J. Brown wearing one at Ole Miss with a sight to see. Um, But – that's a good remember the Titan, a good debut, Will Witherspoon. Okay. All right, we'll remember that one. My guy I'm going with this week is Ryan Long. Ryan Long, defensive tackle, selected in the 2003 draft, the fourth round by the Tennessee Titans. He played 39 games with the team, started in five, recorded nine and a half career sacks and 99 career tackles. He then suffered, he played 2003, 2004, 2005. In the 2006 season, he tore his Achilles tendon and was placed on the IR with a knee injury before being waived. Um, that is where, after after football, moved on to a television career. Long actually co-starred in Going Native with his brother Devin Long on Animal Planet. 
the pair subject themselves to the 9,000-year-old rites of passage of the Tatuya tribe in the Colombian Amazon to begin their journey into manhood, including ceremonial vomiting, blow dart hunting, and ritual whipping. The show first aired on June 7, 2015. I'm worried that Austin may have gotten himself into something like this what uh, with blow dart hunting and, and ceremonial vomiting. So c- ceremonial whipping, I would imagine, is one person whips another that's, for the purpose that's of what ceremony. The Titans, that's what the Titans endured from 2010 to 2015. <laughs> the, the ceremonial whipping. Here's my question. What is ceremonial vomiting? But more specifically, what do they do to induce the ceremonial vomiting? Like, do you have to eat like some crystal Pepsi from the nineties or like <laughs> just shove three fingers down your throat and hope for the best? Like what is inducing it's, this? It's funny because I was watching semi-pro last night in the scene where Will Ferrell says, you know, I've never thrown up in my life. I don't know how. And they say, you know what? Just let me hit you in the jejunum. I just picture the Tatuya tribe and Ryan Long out there with his brother, <laughs> just dishing out punches to jejunums all over the place. Uh, you, you know, inducing all types of, of, vomit and throw up it it doesn't sound like my type of tribe luke i'm going to be quite honest with you um although blow dart hunting does sound like it'd be a fun time (laughs) yeah i the the ceremony yeah i don't know that that makes you a man so much as it just makes you like i don't know why anyone (laughs) would want like i think a uh (laughs) i'm I'm rambling here just because i'm so all over the place after hearing this uh but I think when you become a man, one of the key traits of maturity is good decision-making, right? Good discernment. And I don't know why we, 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 cere- we do a ceremony for you are now a man. You can now make good decisions by having you make the terrible decision to have these <laughs> self-inflicted traumas in, in put on you. Like, yeah, it's a bit ironic of, of a ritual, isn't it? Yes, you know, very much so. Got to really hang up your manhood for a while, or you ceremonial throw up while being whipped, um, and, and watching a guy blow dart somebody. So yeah, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. Ryan Long can handle it though. The Animal Planet Man, <laughs> Ryan Long. That's gonna do it. Me- for- you didn't even mention the spelling, Jack. Oh yeah, spell. He does spell his name in a, in an unusual way for a Ryan. I've actually never seen this before. Ryan spelled R I E N. He wore number 99. He wasn't hard to find. He was 6'6", 300 pounds out of Washington State. So, Luke, good job on your first Remember the Titan, man. Thank you. Thank you. You did a, you did a great job. Great job jumping in for Austin. We needed you. You stepped up to the plate and delivered big time. Love to have you again next week. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that's going to do it for this week, the 59th edition of the Titan Up podcast. Wait, so uh, I get to be here for big number 60? Is that you're what you're gonna saying? You're going to be here for big 60, yeah. Well, that's the plan. We're going to figure some things out in between, but that is the plan. Um, Austin, we will hear from very soon. You will know exactly what's going on here in a little bit. But for now, we're going to wrap things up here. Guys, don't don't forget to follow the podcast at Tighten Up Pod on Twitter, at Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple. Um, you can find on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Music at A to Z Sports Podcast Network. He is Luke Worsham, at Luke underscore Worsham. He has a great Twitter presence, guys. Of Titans Twitter, you need to be following Luke. He's He's got some spunk to him. He, you know, he's, he's testy. <laughs> testy is the word I used to describe Testy's him the last time word. we have him on. And I think that that's perfect. Word. He's a great follow. Go give him a follow on Twitter. Um, I'm at Jack A. Gentry. Don't be afraid to follow me as well. 
Um, and as always, go follow A to Z Sports on all social media platforms. Luke, glad to have you this week. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely. A long, long time ago When they played in the Houston Astrodome They've gone from being spoilers To starting six and oh Since they moved to Tennessee To call it home They had a Music City miracle To conquer Buffalo Then they came within a yard Of winning in the Super Bowl They've had the same head coach Leading all the way That's one of many reasons that I'm loving how they play. They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the Tennessee Titans.